invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Acts, the ninth chapter. There are a few Bibles provided there in the racks if you need them, and I hope you'll follow along. It's on page 1001 if you need to uh, uh, look at the scripture. It will be on the screen, but perhaps you'll want to reference it during the course of the message. I have uh, mentioned to you at the beginning of the sermon series that we want to do some practical acts of encouragement uh, and we have now the uh, banner uh, up on the wall of the, the ramp out here, outside these doors, going down toward the elevator. Uh, already, many of you have written words of encouragement. We're encourage, uh, encouraging you to take a marker and to write the name of someone you're thankful for. Uh, write an encouraging word about them, to them, or you may uh, simply uh, share the name of someone who's been a blessing to you. So you can uh, use that that uh, banner any way you want to write some notes or write the name or tell of a specific event or uh, as Heather shared this morning some special connection of encouragement. The other thing is uh, last week we had in the bulletin postcards. How many of you, do I want to know this, how many of you sent postcards this week of encouragement? All right, some of you, that's good. I'm, I'm encouraged by your encouragement and those postcards are available uh, in the lobby on a table you may take those, and it'd be a really good habit to just, you know, you kind of get a taste for that and decide you really like it and do it uh, a little bit more. And uh, no, we do not provide postage, and we do not address it for you. You'll have to do some of it yourself. So uh, we encourage you to do that. But I think it's a great ministry, and already I've heard some good, good things that have happened as we've sort of cultivated that spirit of encouragement. Uh, before I read the scripture, I would like for us to bow for a word of prayer. In silence, great God, we make space for you. We are a very talkative faith, and uh, sometimes we can practice talkative resistance. As long as we're talking, we feel like we're still in control. But we want to be silent in your presence and ask you to move and bless in this world of yours and in our particular world. Uh, War and Military fatalities have been reported this morning. We pray for our armed forces. A virus is loose on this earth. Political battles rage. Mental illness is addressed in this morning's newspaper. People are frightened, broken, sick, grieving. But they're your people. We're your people. As we march through this series, teach us to see the possibilities in each other and in ourselves, and teach us to forgive each other as Jesus forgives us. Set us free from the bondage of sin. Give us liberty to live and experience the abundant life, a flourishing life. And as we are quiet in your presence, we invite your spirit to speak to us as we hear your word. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord, amen. Now I invite you to stand as I read aloud uh, this passage from Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 22. 
Saul became increasingly more powerful and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. After some time had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night so that they might kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. When he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles, and described for them how on the road he had seen the Lord who had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I have appreciated uh, the feedback you've given already uh, on uh, this theme of encouraged. Uh, Someone said to me at the door last Sunday, this is the perfect month for this pastor because the winter blahs have set in. Is that the way you feel? Colds and flu and uh, lots of cloudy days, right? If it's not raining, it's snowing and uh, everybody's tired of winter trying to slog through till spring and uh, the winter blahs are reality. And we all need encouragement. And this morning, we're looking again at this character, Barnabas, who was, that's his nickname, son of encouragement. His real name was Joseph. We learned last week, but he was the son of encouragement. And we experience him in his relationship, Paul the Apostle. Paul's uh, birth name was Saul, uh, a, a more Jewish name. Uh, after he came to Christ dramatically over a period of time, he transitioned to a more Roman, a more, uh, a more uh, uh, Western kind of name of Paul. Uh, so for simplicity's sake, I'll call him Paul, even though in Scripture uh, he's, he's not yet had that transition. But uh, Paul was uh, a, a terror, literally. He was a terrorist, a Jewish terrorist, uh, trying to destroy the followers of Christ before he was converted. He was arresting men and women. He was terrorizing entire towns. He stood by and held the coats while the people stoned Stephen to death, the first martyr. Uh, He was on a rampage against Christ and Christ's followers, and then he was dramatically converted on that road to Damascus. And after he was converted, he was just as powerful and intense and focused for Christ as he'd been against him. And so the scripture started this morning with the story of of Paul up in Damascus preaching boldly in the synagogues, and that got him in a lot lot of trouble because he came up against the entrenched powers that be, and they didn't want to hear that Jesus, the crucified one, was Messiah. And so there was a plot to kill him, to assassinate him. Uh, He escaped down the wall in a basket, He came to Jerusalem, and I think Paul made the assumption when he arrived in Jerusalem, there are more Christ followers here. I can just pick up where I left off. I can just start preaching. And the followers of Jesus said, whoa, we don't trust you because all we've heard about you and known about you is that you are terrorizing Christ followers. And uh, they they wouldn't have anything to do with him. And here he was all pumped and primed to preach, 
and ready to live the gospel and preach the gospel, and the believers in Jerusalem shut him down. What's he going to do? Enter Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Barnabas put his arm around Paul and said, let's go meet with the apostles, the authoritative leaders. He ushered him in, and Barnabas vouched for him. Barnabas, to use the language of our day, had street cred. He had street cred. He was respected. He had integrity. And remember, from the sermon last week, he made a very substantial donation to the early church by selling his property, giving it all to the work of the believers. He had street cred. And you can see the wheels turning in the apostles' minds. They said, you know what? If Paul is okay by Barnabas, he's okay by us. If they say, if, if, if Barnabas says he's okay, then he's okay. And the scripture, our part of the scripture, concluded by saying, Paul went in and out among them, boldly proclaiming Jesus. Now that image of going in and out among them was a way of saying he had a pass everywhere he went. He just showed his Barnabas badge everywhere he went. And he had an amazing ministry. Now think about this. In later episodes, which we'll talk about next week, Paul and Barnabas ministered together. But later on, they ministered separately. But I want you to know, because of what Barnabas did, everywhere Paul went, the rest of his ministry, Barnabas was there emotionally. And Barnabas was there spiritually. Because Barnabas was the encourager, the connector, who opened the door. Everything Paul did from that point on, the letters he wrote, Barnabas was underneath it all, behind it all, the connector, the encourager. And I want us to think more dramatically about that. Humanly speaking, you and I would not be here today if not for the Apostle Paul because he was the Apostle to the Gentiles. He went all over the region of Asia. He eventually went to Europe, the region that is now Greece. He planted churches. And literally, you could make the case, we would not be here today if not for the Apostle Paul. And that if that's true, then we would not be here today if not for Barnabas who opened the way, who encouraged, and who connected and made the way possible. Now, change the camera angle and flip it. The other thing that's amazing about this story that I missed for a long time, in order for this connection, this encouragement to work, Paul had to be willing to accept the encouragement and accept the help. I'm guessing from what I know of Scripture, Paul was a proud man. I think he always battled his pride. He was a type A personality. He liked to be in charge. And here's my guess. It was a lot easier for Paul to give help than it was for him to accept it. It was a lot easier for him to be in charge than it was to be the one who needed help. Do you know anybody like that? Yeah. So one sign of spiritual maturity 
Mark this down and think about it this week. One sign of spiritual maturity is the maturity to accept friendship when offered, to accept help when offered. One sign of spiritual maturity is to accept the encouragement others offers us, offer us in our time of need. That's not always easy for us to do because we'd rather be in charge. So what gave Barnabas this insight? What, what was that spiritual gift? And by the way, the gift of encouragement is listed in spiritual gifts in Scripture, in Romans 12. What gave him that capacity to see potential in others? See, uh, to use terminology of our day, Barnabas had a strength-based bias. That's kind of a technical term that you hear today in psychology and and in human relations. A strength-based bias means you do not start with people's weaknesses. You start with the bias of this person has strengths. And I'm going to start with strengths rather than picking and tearing down. He believed everybody was good at something. Did you know that's true? No matter who you are this morning, you're good at something. Your family, you may feel like, boy, our family's messed up. But your family's good at something. We're always focused on things we need to do better in this church, and there are plenty. But what about the things we do well, the things we do right? Everybody is good at something, and Barnabas knew that. He had a strength-based bias. He saw potential in everyone. He looked at Paul, and he didn't see threat. He didn't see what he was. He saw what he was becoming. He saw his potential. Now, on the Sunday after Super Bowl, some of you knew that somewhere there was going to be a sermon illustration about the Chiefs, right? So here it comes. What I heard all through the game last Sunday as they extolled the the talents and giftedness of Coach Andy Reid, the amazing abilities of Patrick Mahomes and, and other players. I kept hearing one of the things that makes him so good is that he makes the people around him better. Isn't that beautiful? One of the things that I love about Barnabas is that he always made the people around him better and he didn't care who got the credit. Isn't that a picture of the church? That we are to be doing those things that cause other people to flourish. Isn't that what Christ does for us? He looks at our messed up lives in pieces. He says, I see what you are, but I love you so much, I see what you can become. And he washes us off. He puts us back together. He, he stands us up on our feet and he says, I see you. I see what God intends for you to be. Not just what you are today or what you were yesterday. I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly, John 10, 10. I have come that you may flourish 
Jesus made everybody around him better, and he still does. And that's the tagline that we chose for our church, see what love can do. That wasn't something we picked out of a, uh, a marketing website. That's who we believe our DNA, that's what we believe our DNA is as a church. See what love can do. Look at the potential. Last fall, a movie came out about Fred Rogers, the Mr. Rogers' neighborhood guy. And many of you saw the movie, read lots of reviews about the movie. That, uh, he's sort of trending now as a, a, a modern-day prophet. Tom Hanks beautifully played the lead role in, in the movie about Mr. Rogers. And they asked Tom Hanks in an interview, what's the, what's the one thing you take away? What's the one line that you remember the most about Fred Rogers? And I want to read this to you, and you've probably seen it. He was giving a speech one time. Fred Rogers was giving a speech, and the room got quiet as he said, is there somebody who loved you into existence, who loved you so much that you became who you are right now, who taught you how to love who accepted you exactly as you are, who told you that you are special and gave you the foundation and confidence that you would not have to, that you would not have had if they hadn't been in your life. Now you pause and think about that for a minute. Who's that person who lifted you? Who are those people you would describe? On my eighth birthday, I received my first Bible as a gift from my parents. I still have it. Because my birthday is December 31st, uh, my parents had some neighbors over uh, for uh, a little party social. And I was showing the neighbors, proudly showing them my new Bible. And a neighbor of ours named Betty Marshall, out of the clear blue, looked at me and said, Doyle, have you ever thought about becoming a minister? Whoa, where did that come from? I'm eight years old. What's that all about? Leslie, our neighbor was a prophet. Who knew? How does God put that in somebody's heart to encourage and plant the seed in an eight-year-old boy's mind? When I was a freshman in high school, I was in FFA and in VOAG class one day, our teacher and advisor, Gene Milligan, uh, came up behind me, threw a manuscript in front of me, and he said, memorize that speech and give it to the chapter next week. I said, okay. I'd never done any public speaking. I'd never been up in front of a crowd except to recite the FFA creed, which we all had to do to get into FFA. And so I started public speaking in FFA. Where did that come from? An, F an FFA advisor. What's that about? As God began to continue that stirring and calling in my life, our pastor at Little Maple Grove Baptist Church, Country Church, Fred Harner, and his wife Shirley stayed an extra year, though he was a seminary student, wanted to get onto the mission field in Brazil. He stayed at our church an extra year to disciple me because he saw 
God working in my life and sense that I might be being called to ministry. How rich I am. An embarrassment of riches, of encouragement. What about you? Who here this morning needs encouragement? Needs somebody to come alongside you and connect you to somebody or something? And who here this morning has tremendous capacity to be an encourager to others? This is the prayer that I invited us to pray last week. And I want to invite you to pray it again with me this week. But this time, last week we prayed it silently. This time we're going to pray it aloud. Pray this prayer with me aloud, please. Lord, thank you for those who encourage me. Lord, help me to leave a trail of encouragement everywhere I go. Amen.